You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion. Part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Ben King to review the Ole Miss win. It is a win. Barely win. But it is a win. And the players, for them, it was a win. For the fans, I felt like it was a loss. But a W on the scoreboard, and I'll take that. Ben, how you doing? Moral victories, my friend. <laughs> moral victories. I feel like moral <laughs> victories are like, oh, we played well against LSU. We only held them to 20-something points. Good job, us. <laughs> I mean, we should have beaten this team by four touchdowns. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, we were both predicting blowouts. Yeah. And, like, it was almost it was almost to the point where we could have blown them out. Well, and there are then... definitely points where I was thinking, wow, we're driving down the field and then drive stall. Yeah, well, so many yards in this game. 500 <laughs> plus so yards. so few points. <laughs> it's weird. Like, I, I started to feel, even at halftime, it felt like uh, probably how LSU felt when we played them. It was like, wow, we put up like 300 yards or something at halftime and only 10 points to show for it. This is weird. And like Bo Nix is going off. He has like 200 yards of passing almost at that point. It was nuts. And then by the end of it, you're thinking, what? We had 500 and something yards passing and only 20 points to show for it. This just yep. feels weird. Well, even going into the half, we were going to go up, what, 17 to nothing? And yeah. then we had a fumble, yeah. and that turned into points for Ole Miss. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it could have been blowout-ish yeah, on the, on the precipice been. of a blowout. But then, you know, we, we Auburned, so it's good. Yeah. We yeah, had to make it, was... it a competitive game. Yeah. Well, even that fumble didn't directly turn into Ole Miss points, but it was like it just kind of like stalled us out, and, you know, it was weird. Um so, I mean, it, it was just a kind of interesting game overall. And I'm, I'm glad we got the W, but, like, it's like the, the feeling around just felt like, wow, what just happened? <laughs> um, because I This was, felt a lot like Tennessee last year. Yeah, it really did. And I'm, I'm so thankful we didn't lose. Me like, too. Oh, my gosh. Like, and people are about as pissed. And, and like, to some extent, like, I, I'm a little mad. But I don't know if I'm like angry, angry as like some of these people. Um, but like, there's there's points where I was just like, well, of course we're gonna like score like a ton of points on all this, but we didn't. <laughs> and, I know it's weird because I'm I'm not mad. I honestly had a uh, conversation with a guy that I work with who's Auburn grad. He he uh, was in school when we beat Alabama four years in a row, mm. so a little bit older, but. Not too much. Yeah. And he was saying, you know, I feel like this game may be like Tennessee last year, where you come off of all these really big uh, efforts and then just, you know, come come in flat. And I was like, yeah. surely not. Yeah. Surely not. We're coming back home, you know, in front of our home crowd. It's going to be uh, a welcome home event type deal. And we're just yeah. going to come in, stomp the team. And yeah, that didn't quite happen that way. No, it, it didn't. And I like honestly, it, I was at the game. The fan turnout seemed fine. 
Like it, it wasn't completely sure. packed, uh, but definitely once it hit halftime, you could tell uh, not only the main section started to fill out or uh, to leave, but then the student section by like the fourth quarter, it was like half empty and it was well, really sad. What was midday temperatures yesterday's? I mean, like probably like sixties. The... Okay. So like it, it was enjoyable. So kind of cold. Yeah. Kind of cold, but like most people were either wearing like a light jacket or even just long sleeves. And uh, I even saw some students, maybe this was part of the reason some of the students left is they just didn't prepare. And, and yeah. the more I started to look around the students when I, they were tailgating were wearing uh, things that were not ready for like the 30 <laughs> degree clothing. weather. Yeah. <laughs> and it's November and the weather in Alabama drops like 30 degrees in a matter of a couple hours, pretty much. Um, so I felt like that was part of it. They started to get cold and just needed to leave. So I get uh, like, uh, like that's probably part of it, but like, again, prepare, look at the weather you're in college, do your job. Um, <laughs> because at halftime it was 10 to seven. It's not like, Oh, we're blowing them out 28 to three or something at halftime. Uh, it wasn't anything like that. So I don't know. That's a little gripe of mine. And, uh, maybe I'm I've been an Auburn fan uh, for a long time and I I'm one of those people that I stay for pretty much every single game that I go to like there's only been one game I think in my existence where I left early and that was because one of my friends called me and he was like hey my DJ bailed on me for my wedding can you come help and I was like <laughs> okay <laughs> No, that like was besides a, that, that's a good excuse. And that was like against Sanford or something. I can't remember. It was a small school uh, team. So other than that, I've gone to or stayed from you know the beginning of the game to when the clock hit zero uh, at the end of the game. Um, but maybe that's just me. Maybe that's from personality and what I do for Auburn games. Um, but yeah, let's talk about this Ole Miss game and how that really uh, how it got to the point where. Almost had a chance at the end to actually win the game. Um, so uh, take a step back. Joey left the team uh, middle of the week, uh, the week before the game. And uh, pretty much it put us in a, I don't know if Gus would have had him get involved nearly as much. Um, but I mean, it definitely, as soon as he's off, it's all in Bo's hands now. Uh, and now we've got Bo Nix. Then you got Cord Sandberg, and then was it Will Appleton, I think? Uh, <laughs> so uh, you don't have the top-level uh, backup that you had with Joey. So you're kind of in a hole a little bit there. Um, what What do you think that did to the, uh, to the team uh, just a few days before uh, the game? Well, first about Joey leaving. I just got to say uh, one phrase here. Oh, he's no longer with the team, and we wish him the best. <laughs> yeah but you know i'm sure it had an impact it yeah. was an odd time just to like pack your bags and leave especially with some of the games coming up i mean this game if everything had gone according to playing he should have had a lot of playing time he probably would not have unfortunately yeah because of the way everything played out mm -hmm. against sanford in three weeks though he definitely would have had some yeah for sure so i mean and then Getting to be in an Iron Bowl that's not in... Well, did he travel last year? Um, I don't, I don't he, remember if he traveled he with might the team not at have. that point. Because there was only a couple games that he actually traveled with the team. Yeah, I mean, he. I think he was like third on the depth chart, so my guess is he probably did travel. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, because just the intensity of the Iron Bowl, just staying for that would be yeah. something special. But, you know, it, it's fine. The I, I hope he, you know, is able to go find somewhere good. Yeah. Uh, I hope he's able to do kind of like uh, Ohio State or Oklahoma. Yeah, for sure. What they've done with their quarterback transfers this year, even though he is going to probably have to sit out a year. Yeah. So I just got to find a good team to go to. But, you know, how it impacted the rest of the players, uh, I'm sure that, you know, preseason, I definitely know there were some that had a bias one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And once the decision was made, I think everyone kind of reluctantly got behind Bo just because that was their leader. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's still some division and maybe not having Joey on the team anymore is less of a distraction, but I think it definitely impacted some of the guys. Yeah. Well, you could tell even some of, uh, I was following a couple of them on Twitter and within a few hours of news that Joey was leaving, they, they made some, some tweets of like, Oh man, I don't know what to do with my life. It was maybe not as dramatic, but, (laughs) uh, you could tell like they were hurt. And yeah. it, they they might not have known what to do with the feelings that they were feeling, knowing that you know three fourths of the way through the season, one of your teammates leaves, or two thirds of the way through the season, sorry, and they just end up dropping and being like, ah, bye, I'm out of here, um, I'm not getting as much play time, sorry, I'm out, and yep. like that that was just the interesting timing of it all, um, and knowing that he'd at least get playtime in Sanford um, and then probably even just knowing Gus and how big of a body Joey is probably had some fun plays planned out for Joey in the Georgia and Bama games coming up. Uh, she would hope, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I would I hope so. I expected to see him more throughout the season. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I look, I've been saying multiple times, and Gus has this really thick playbook, and he's just been waiting to put in these new plays. Yeah. But here we are, nine games into the season, and we're pretty predictable. I haven't seen some of the stuff, especially against Florida and LSU, that I thought I would. Yeah. I don't know if it's because we could never really get into a rhythm. Maybe. In those games. But That's possible. I just, maybe I had too high of hopes, I, I mean, guess. Po- I mean, I feel like we all had high hopes knowing that for the most part the only new piece you know quote unquote new piece of the offense to start the season for offense was the quarterback and we're thinking oh Bo's a you know top talented kind of dude he'll just you know fit in we'll continue on what we did last from last year and I think it just it took longer for that that to happen and for the team to it's I mean it's still happening right now um where I feel like this wasn't the first big game where I was like, Oh yeah, we, you know, had a complete offense. I mean, we had games like Mississippi state where the offense was just clicking, but what I'm kind of starting to think back on now, we're two thirds of the way through the season. And I think Ben, you pointed this out to me, the teams that we steamrolled like Arkansas and Mississippi state. And now, uh, I mean, to some extent, as far as yards go, we steamrolled Ole Miss, but just couldn't put the score points on the scoreboard. Those were not as great of wins as what we thought they would be uh, right around the time of those wins. So uh, that's a little concerning to me. And we still did have the marquee wins of like, oh, we actually went to Texas A&M and beat them 
We also beat Oregon. Those are at least decent wins, especially at Oregon now, uh, looking like they're going to win uh, their conference. So that's that's impressive. But, yeah, I mean, it's just those kinds of – I mean, it's just – it's interesting, like, how the offense is starting to – like, we're starting to see where they're at. And it, I don't know if it has to do – like, I see, keep coming back to, like, the one thing that is a weakness on our offense, and that's the offensive line. Yep, I was gonna say that as well. Okay, well, what are you like? Why? I mean, part of it has to do with getting the run game going, mm-hmm. but then just getting both comfortable with things. And this was one of the first games where I saw a little bit of changing up of plays, which helped Bo get comfortable uh, because it was a shorter to intermediate kind of routes. Even even a couple of times we ran bubble screens, which we haven't done or tunnel screens. Sorry, um, and we haven't done tunnel screens in a long time. It seems like. Um, probably since we had or at least consistently get a tunnel screen in probably since mm-hmm. we had Ryan Davis um, last year so uh, it just seems like we got him more comfortable but man it, it was like what do you, okay what were your thoughts on the off, offensive line back to that um, on how that seems to be what's holding up this offense well they're kind of Swiss cheese <laughs> so that's the start okay guys are not good at at blocking, especially when a, a rush happens. So if a a blitz is coming from the opposing team, some player is going to go on block. It just almost always happens. Yeah. So in those cases, and even even when they're not blitzing, the offensive line is only going to hold their blocks for maybe three seconds. So Bo okay. is under serious pressure when it comes yeah. to his release time. Yeah, That's why uh, I, I think in this season... We've done a few of those trickeration plays, uh, like a flea flicker. Yeah. And I think we've had multiple uh, grounding penalties on flea flickers now. Yeah, at least one. I mean, yeah, and that that's probably more on the coaching. but Well, like, it's also the offensive all... line because you have to yeah. have at least five seconds to run that play. Yeah, you do. And if you can't hold a block for more than three – there's going to be someone in your face when you get the ball back. Yeah, 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 for sure. And that's that's the case in a lot of these situations where if we're doing a passing play, that's why mm-hmm. it's been boggling my mind that we weren't using more intermediate routes until like this game. Yeah. Because you don't have time for a play to develop yeah. when you can't hold the defense back. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably the biggest situation. I mean, if you look at Gus's play calling, yes, there's been some that, have me scratching my head but for the most part it's been pretty good yeah he's had the right plays we haven't been able to execute and i think a lot of that is on the o-line not okay. not doing their job to make the entire offense move forward yeah well i mean we replaced the center in this game yeah exactly just completely yeah a senior senior group and breaking them up because they just can't hold the line mm-hmm well, and then it was also a couple bad snaps last game. They kind yeah, of just like true. <laughs> uh, so combine both of those. Just hey, we need consistent snapping. Like that's that's very important. So you got that kind of going for us. Um, I, something else. I mean, this is uh, kind of interesting to kind of change a little bit. But because of this being a military appreciation game, um, it was cool. We did another flyover. Um, but the one of the coolest things that I saw was 
uh, to honor POWs, MIA, uh, in the military. I thought that was really cool that they have now a seat, um, that's in Jordan Hare specifically to remember POWs and MIA. So I thought that was really neat, a good tribute to, uh, the military, uh, and what they do, uh, for this country. Um, and even at halftime, the band did a really nice tribute, um, did some really neat uh, formations of uh, marching around. It, it was really cool. I saw one of those. The tank? Yeah, that was nice. Um, yeah, there's a good video on Twitter of that with the yeah. drum major running through it. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that I, I took because it was just – it was it was cool. They had other formations too, like an eagle. Um, i trying to remember another one. They had a uh, an actual submarine and it had – it looked like it was going underwater. Like it was really cool. And all the, all this time doing the formation, uh, it was, they were playing military songs that you typically think of for military appreciation, uh, for each branch of the, of the uh, military. So that was pretty neat. Um, yeah. So just wanted to throw that out there. Um, that we, I felt like we did a really good job of, uh, giving them the, the tribute that they needed. Um, that they need as a military. Um, all right. So I feel like this, uh, let's talk a little bit more overall and then we'll get into specifics, uh, in just a little bit. But part of the reason I felt like Auburn kind of got off to a slow start. First off, Joey leaving the team. I felt like some of the players, again, you, you said it, uh, kind of feeling, uh, oh, man, Joey left the team. I need to, uh, I mean, it was just kind of weird feeling around in the locker room from what I could tell. Uh, and then also, Ole Miss coming into this game, uh, they needed to win three of their last four games uh, to be bowl eligible. And so they've got New Mexico State, they got LSU, which they're going to lose to, <laughs> and then they're going to play. Uh, then they're going to play Mississippi State uh, in the Egg Bowl at the final game. So I mean, now they have to win out all three of their remaining games to be bowl eligible. So they were they were fighting for something. I mean, they they thought that they. Uh, come into Jordan Hare and, and stop us. And uh, to some extent, they did. I mean, they kept us out of the end zone uh, more than I thought they would. Uh, hey, random question on that. Yeah. So the opposing coach, uh huh, he looked pretty PO'd at the end of the game. Matt Lukes? Yeah, yeah. whatever his name is. He, yeah. And I don't care what it is because he won't be there long. But <laughs> uh, at the end of the game, I saw Gus walk out to the middle of the field, and I didn't see anyone greet him. Did you oh, notice really? if he ever came out? Um, I mean, I was at the game, but I, I don't remember. I, I didn't like specifically look at that and see if it, the coaches shook hands and stuff. <laughs> I didn't see the other coach come out and shake Gus's hand. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, he definitely looked pissed. Yeah, that's for sure. He threw his headset and he like walked away. I don't know if he ever went out there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so, that's interesting. <laughs> no, I didn't I notice know. that part. Um, just, but then, just, just a statement. Yeah, I mean, then also something else that I felt like played into the game was uh, coming off of tough games like we did against LSU. Uh, it it just takes the physicality of the game. I mean, it, we didn't have Jeremiah Denson. He was he had apparently a virus, but then we also didn't have um, who was it? Um, Marlon Davidson. Marlon Davidson. Yeah. Yep. So you're out without two of your best defensive leaders. Out it's there. weird. It's a it's a different defense without Marlon Davidson. Yeah. And I mean, it's not worse because we yeah. definitely had some guys step up and Derek Brown played lights out once again, but for sure. It's just it's just a different feel. 
without yeah. him up there as well. Yeah, I definitely think so as well. I mean, you could tell that Derek Brown, because of him not being out there, got a little bit more attention. But that did open up for uh, somebody that I maybe I just haven't noticed, but it sure seemed like uh, he took off. And his name is Derek Hall. Um, I don't know if you noticed him. Yeah, I think uh, he's a freshman, isn't he? Yeah, he's a freshman. And he was he was playing extremely well. He had a tackle for loss. Let's see. What are some other good stats? Because he, he seemed to do what he needed to to kind of fill that gap. He had a, three tackles for the day, um, had a quarterback hurry. So, like, he, he kind of stepped into that role. And that gives me some hope for next year when Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown are going to be gone. Uh, so, I don't know. That, that was kind of like a glimmer of hope that we've got some guys behind, uh, guys like Marlon Davidson that can really fill those gaps for sure. Um, I guess since we were talking about defense, let's continue. So, uh, Ole Miss, we stopped in 266 yards, uh, kept them under a hundred yards at only 99 yards passing. Um, and then for rushing, we allowed 167. A lot of those ended up being, uh, the quarterback scrambling around, which goodness, he's extremely good. Yeah, he's shifty. Um, he was, he was impressive. Uh, I, I I definitely think he's got the wheels to to play in in D Wood in college football, but I mean you could tell he wasn't by. He, I mean, there's a reason he's not the only quarterback that plays for Ole Miss. <laughs> like he can't pass the ball. Yeah. Um. So uh, that's part of it. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like our defense. I mean, did enough. Uh, you'd. I think one of the players, maybe Derek Brown, was asked, "Hey, like, do you think?" uh y'all played well enough and you said i felt like we should have stopped them even more and or something to the extent of that and i was like yeah feels like we should have uh, so uh, there, there's something left to be attained and i feel like uh the phrase like the players are still hungry is still very applicable which is good because they need to feel hey we still got something to prove uh for the remaining uh, games in the season and yeah, we have a couple really big ones coming up yeah Huge. Staying hungry is going to be important when we play Georgia in two weeks. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Derek Brown because uh, he had that amazing open field tackle, which I'm pretty sure I never <laughs> would have said those words ever, ever. <laughs> and that was incredible. Um, was that a, a tackle or an annihilation? <laughs> yes. All of the above. Watch that. Uh, Go back and watch that in slow motion. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Perfect form tackle guy coming out of the backfield and Derek Brown is ready for him. And, and to set up the play, if you don't know, um, so big cat Bryant was, um, all right, Derek Brown was already off the field, but Derek, or big cat Bryant was having an issue with his helmet and needed to get off the field. So big cat Bryant's running off the field, Derek Brown, the coach says, go get on the field, hurry, uh, <laughs> just to get the 11th guy on the field. And as Derek Brown's getting on the field, he just, completely kills the dump guy that's coming out of the backfield and it's amazing um it was it was a beautiful man like i i think i've watched it probably at this point like 50 times and i'm not yeah, even exaggerating <laughs> <laughs> from every angle then seeing rich rod right after seeing in slow-mo yeah it's just definitely one of the highlights of this game yeah for sure um another couple guys that uh stood out to me um, I mean, the guy that I was watching um, on defense was Owen Papo, and 
I felt like he did extremely well this game. I mean, he even almost had an interception. There was a just a glimmer. He almost had it. Um, there was also a few times where I was just like, man, this guy's just flying around the field. Um, ended up with five tackles. Three of them were solo. Um, had a pass deflection and a quarterback hurry. So uh, he definitely in this game showed up. Uh, and again, good to see a guy like that, uh, knowing that we are uh, going to have some guys on the defense leaving, um, that the younger guys are stepping up. Um, another guy, Zacoby McLean, had a tack for loss. Uh, wanted to call him out. He did extremely well. And then Christian Tut, he had an awesome open field tackle uh, on a short pass. And I was uh, just thinking like that, we need guys like Christian Tut just able to fly around and uh, get guys in open field. Uh, ended up Christian Tut with four tackles um, on the day. So uh, proud of him. Uh, and then at the, the end of the game, uh, to eclipse it all, uh, he got the interception. Uh, and then the clock ran out, and he almost actually had a pick six. Like, how glorious would that have been? It would have been so good into the end zone man. Uh, he was one of my players to watch of course it was on special yeah. teams and not necessarily defense but mm-hmm. i'm gonna still count it because i really wanted him to run that back yeah and he was so close too he yeah. had one one guy to beat yeah well you saw uh when it almost felt like a punt return in a way yeah like way he was, he was in through. traffic he was you know moving around waiting for his blockers to, to get there. And just like, then he just hit it and go quick. And man, it, he almost got there almost. I mean, it was awesome to, to get in the end zone, but uh, still ended up winning the game. And, and you could see, I think this is important also from fans that this kind of uh, win at the end is just like, all right, guys, we did it. Like if you're on the field then, and you know, there's a potential for Ole Miss to win the game and you get this huge play at the end. I mean, you can look, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but there's pictures of guys like Christian Tut, and they are just elated. They're so excited and happy to be on the field with a W. And doesn't matter, we only win one by six points, 20 to 14 at the end of the game. Doesn't matter to them. They won the game. And that's that's the feeling that guys like Christian Tut had at the end. Hey, we did it. We stopped them. And that's what really matters. Um, so I just wanted to like put that in perspective for some of the players, like you can, or some of the fans watching. Um, yes, it was frustrating. We should have scored more points, but like the the fans need to understand the uh, the feelings that the the players also have. Uh, all right, let's jump back to offense because I, I we kind of typically we go through offense first, but I just the there just wasn't enough offense to talk about in this. <laughs> I mean, but there was. There was like 500 yards of offense. There wasn't enough scoring to talk yes. about in this game. Yeah. <laughs> ben, uh, so we had over 500 yards of offense, and uh, it seemed like pretty good um, for the most part, except when we get in the red zone and just seemed to get close to the red zone. We'd stall out, and then we'd have to kick field goals. And unfortunately, the, that uh, didn't work out. We had three missed field goals by Anders. Uh, but – Overall, what? How did you look at this offense and how how they performed against Ole Miss? You know, I had Bo as my player to watch because I expected him to come back out and have a complete game, and for the most part, he did. He had that one fumble that was a little weird. Yeah, and I think that was more of a just 
quarterback running back exchange than it was yeah, a, was a fumble itself. That. But uh, he had a career high performance, which was excellent. And when it comes to intensity, he probably was given the most on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 340 yards passing, 68% passing rate. I mean, you can't ask for much more, and he still is consistently running the ball, which is yeah. good. Yeah, I know that without Joey, that's definitely going to impact his run game, so it was good mm-hmm. to see him still being mobile. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, still, when it comes to, and this may be some of the play calling, but when it comes to some of those plays that we need to make, we still couldn't complete drives. Yeah. And some of that seemed to be that the play was there and for some of the wide receivers. And it seemed like there was a couple of them that you could just tell weren't a hundred percent giving their effort. And that's, that's frustrating. It kind of seemed like, I don't know if you remember, it kind of reminds me of like Duke Williams from years, a few years back where he didn't give a hundred percent every single play. And there were times where guys like Duke Williams could, could have made a huge catch and, kept that drive going but like they just didn't get that 100 percent. felt like there was a couple times when uh our guys were doing the same thing not not just on wide receivers but just in other aspects of the offense too and that just it kind of stalls you out when you don't have all 11 guys 100 percent going uh towards the same goal maybe they're 80 90 percent but like you got to be 100 percent uh going towards the same goal and uh that's a little bit maybe it's just the the emotions of coming off at a loss at LSU uh, that that could have been it um, but yeah um, something positive that we did have and I, I I wanted to keep this in mind is third down conversions because that was a huge issue over the past few games especially the tighter ones like Florida and LSU where we just weren't able to convert on third downs and just our drives would stop because of those. Uh, we were nine of 13 on third downs. Uh, and I think that was a credit to, I, I noticed it a few times where when we were like second and eight or second and 10, we would run specific plays, not necessarily to get a first down. Sometimes they would turn into first downs, but to get down to a third and like three, a third and four and make it much more manageable to make it less pressure on uh, bone nicks to handle a third down and 10 a third down and 14 or something uh which those are again if you've watched any football you know those are hard to to get those are very low probabilities um so it seemed like that that was something positive that uh, not only were, were the plays getting called that we kind of set ourselves up for that but it was also the players for the most part would execute pretty well uh, to get those uh, first downs when we needed them. Uh, it seemed like also another thing that we kind of changed up a little bit was uh, our first down tendencies. So previously, about a third of the time, uh, we would pass the ball. Um, so the other two-thirds, we'd run the ball on the first down. So this was uh, one of the first games where it was almost 50-50, where we're running the ball about 50% of the time, and then passing the ball. So we ended up passing the ball on first down 18 out of our 38 times, um, so a little bit less than 50%. Uh, and I that got our offense going. It also got uh, Bo Nix uh, almost in that rhythm that I feel like we just need to get him in uh, early mm-hmm. on. Uh, and of those 18 passes that he threw, 12 of them were caught. 
so two thirds of those catches uh, on first down were caught, usually for positive gains. Uh, just keep the offense moving, and I, I felt like that was one of the reasons why you saw how well Bo Nix did. He had 340 yards passing. Like that is nothing to scoff at. Uh, had almost a 70, so he had 68% passing uh, percentage. Uh, he actually uh, he broke his father Patrick Nix's record of uh, passing completions against the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, so I thought that was pretty <laughs> cool. Um, Bo Nix had 30, whereas Dad only had 28. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Breaking my own Dad's cool. record. Um, yeah, how did you think Bo handled himself this game? Because I felt like this this could have been a uh, just another. All right, let's trudge through this. Let's get some points on the scoreboard. But I felt like at least me, maybe I mean maybe you feel this way too. I felt like even though points didn't get on the scoreboard, at least Bo got comfortable with some of the play calling. Yeah, I think comfortability wise, Bo definitely made some strides this game, which is good because we're going to need him to be comfortable coming into a very hostile environment for Georgia regardless of if it's at home or not, just because of what's going to be weighing in on that game. You've got Georgia who's going to the East title at this point, even if they lose to us when they lose to us. And so it's going to be tough, and I was very, very glad that Bo was able to get the time and the passes in to be successful in this game to prep for some of those other games down the road. Yeah. Uh, Look, Bo carried himself well. He passed well completions were there yeah he had some drops and that was not really on him yeah and there were at least so like to put in perspective at least i was tracking four drops during the game that should have been completions hit the guy's hands you got to catch it they weren't thrown behind they weren't thrown over him they weren't thrown in front of the guy right in his hands he threw a couple behind he did especially like behind seth williams i know i saw at least two yeah but that's better than it has been in the some of the road games where he just would throw three yards over someone's head yeah. or just completely nowhere close to the receiver. Mm-hmm. It He definitely got his composure back under yeah. control, and his precision was back there as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I mean, just think about, like, I keep coming back to a couple of the huge passes that Bonex made. The one to... Uh, J.J. Wilson, that was beautiful. Um, and then also the dime, just complete dime to Anthony Schwartz, right over the two defenders that were on him. Yeah, and that's uh, right into his hands. That's on Schwartz as much as it is on Bo, because mm-hmm. even though it was a perfectly thrown pass, to catch a ball like that in double coverage is not easy. Yeah, and to for hold sure. on to it. Yeah, yeah. And you saw him. I think it was like a fifty-yard completion, all in the air. And it just, as soon as he got up, Anthony was just like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that That was his pure raw emotion of, wow, this is amazing. It was decent coverage on, on one of our guys. And yet it was it was nice to see. I feel like the earlier bow would have, might not, I mean, maybe might not have made that pass. Well, But he's giving even, a little bit more confidence to throw those tighter tighter throws even earlier bow in this game overthrew anthony schwartz he so. did yeah that's true <laughs> well, you're right yeah five plays ago he might yeah. not have made that yeah that's true 
so it's yeah he's still gonna work through that and maybe that's gonna be our our little gripe for at least the rest of this season that he he overthrows guys um so that may be it it's better to overthrow than underthrow though yeah well there was an underthrow even in this game that could have been intercepted and yeah. just the Ole Miss receiver in the end just zone completely just dropped, dropped it. it i was like oh thank Which goodness was, it just shows you know we're not playing top tier talent right here yeah for sure which i was very happy about because yeah you know we've seen that happen too many times yeah for sure um let's shift over to running backs um so running backs had uh, a decent day not anything super crazy uh on the ground we had 167 yards uh dj williams led the team with 93 yards on uh 24 carries it seemed like he was getting like a consistent like five six yards sometimes just getting really good push um didn't break one unfortunately um dj was the guy that i was watching for this game just knowing uh we got to still establish the run game uh and he did well and he did well enough to to kind of like be that running back without Bowie whitlow um and i i'm completely at least for me it seems like gus has put enough confidence in uh and what dj williams can do to as long as booby is kind of healing up just keep giving it to dj um a couple of things also i noticed i mean last game when he kind of had his first all right you're gonna get a majority of the carries uh dj really i felt took off this game uh and that when he got to the line either he would hit the hole immediately or there was even times where uh i was thinking oh there, there doesn't look like there's a hole there, and yet he just breaks a couple arm tackles and then keeps going. Um, and, and man, he's he's an SEC type running back. Um, and we were kind of wondering, okay, after Booby Whitlow, where do we go? And seems like DJ's becoming that guy, which is kind of reassuring to me that uh, we got an extra guy behind there. For sure. I mean, I was calling it was going to be Harold Joiner, and he looked. Okay, in this game, besides fumbling yeah. the <laughs> in the end zone, basically. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. yeah, DJ Williams is just what an incredible running back. Mm-hmm. Like the future is bright when it comes to Auburn running backs, and that's really cool. Yeah, and then even uh, just I felt like we got to say it uh, that goal line touchdown where he uh, got held by Prince Tega uh, to get in the end zone. <laughs> uh, it was kind of funny. Uh, they they interviewed. Uh, DJ Williams after the game and Prince Tega was kind of like over his shoulder a little bit and Prince Tega was like hey DJ you gonna give me that touchdown do I get credit for the touchdown and DJ <laughs> was like yeah I'll give you that credit <laughs> it was really cool um, because I mean really DJ was kind of stuck at the line and then Prince Tega just throws him down in the end zone <laughs> probably illegally but yep, they were saying on TV that probably was a penalty <laughs> but it didn't get called and I'll take it <laughs> um you can push so, you can't body slam yeah exactly your own player that would be <laughs> ridiculous um anyways um yeah harold joiner i mean it, he even had that extremely long catch um and, and that was i feel like we can use him in those kind of roles i want to see him uh if we can use the joiner cat if you want to like go down that route like the booby cat i I think he's okay. He's got to cover the ball a little bit better because I think this is his second fumble of the season. So, I mean, even despite that, 
Gus still went back to him for that long catch, um, which ended up being the longest pass since 2013 uh, for Auburn. So that's crazy. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so we've already kind of hit on a little bit of wide receivers, but let's just uh, talk about a couple of the guys. So like Seth Williams, I felt like there were there were times where he was just going at it like 80 percent. He was one of those guys where I was just like, yeah, I know you're good. Like you can probably go 80 percent and do well. But like if you give your 100 percent, there's going to be times where you just break out against a pass defense of Ole Miss that's not good at all and just dominate them. And it just felt like he didn't give a hundred percent, and that—that's probably why he didn't get as many touches. I was—I was thinking he would. Um, the guy that led the team was Anthony Schwartz. He had nine touches um, with ninety yards uh, or eighty-nine yards. So, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I want to see. I mean, maybe it's just he's coming off a tough, tough loss. So I mean, that's part of it. Um. All right, let's talk about uh, special teams and finish off this conversation. Uh, so this was another weird game that special teams had. Um, we had a punt return returned by Ole Miss for 55 yards, which set up uh, right before half Ole Miss scoring a touchdown. Uh, and I was just like, of course, of course this happens um, right before halftime where they just get a 55 yard return and then score real quickly and mm-hmm. kind of put us in a deficit real quick. Um, so man, it was, it was weird. And then we also had Anders Carlson just be off, like completely off, missed three fill goals, which normal, normal ranges for him, uh, like a 42, a 49, and I think a 38 yarder. Um, those are normal lengths for him. I mean, even going into the se- into this game, he was 10 for 12. So he's only missed two the whole season. Um, and that was something that uh, I was thinking, okay. I mean, I, I put Carlson in a situation, 42-yarder. You know, let's do this. You know, at the end of the game, make a 38-yarder, and then it's game pretty much. I'd do it. Um, I'd do it again probably like Gus would say. Um, so uh, what did you think of our special teams uh, for this game? I mean, it was uh, it it was not good. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I don't want to say it. It could have been our worst performance of the season. Yeah, uh, because allowing one the kick return or was the kick return or punt return? That it was a punt return. Yeah, the punt return was bad, and then just Anders being off on the day, yeah. going two of five, missing anything outside of 40 yards yeah was was different than what we usually see right yeah for sure so we, we had some some shining moments uh no igmanogany had a really good kick return yeah so he i did. guess to uh to go against their punt return yeah punting was okay thankfully we didn't have to punt too much yeah true uh most of the time we would just try to kick a field goal and then miss it yeah so i mean yeah. the I think the biggest thing is just it was an off day for Anders. Yeah, for sure. And, and thankfully and that, he had that on a day where it didn't really matter. Yeah, I mean it could have mattered, but it could at have. the same time it didn't. Um, and the funny thing is, Ben, uh, Anders was my guy to watch, and I was thinking uh, I'm going to be watching him because I want him to continue the point after attempt uh, <laughs> streak. But yeah, 
he kind of was just like, hey, hey, AJ. I mean, he didn't really do this. But he's <laughs> <laughs> like, hi, I'm going to not do great on regular field goals that I'd normally make. And, yeah. So it was definitely let down. It was, how can I make AJ look foolish on that <laughs> podcast? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, ben, anything else before we go? Uh, I'm really, really glad that we have a bye week because yes. we need this team to regroup. We need to get healthy. We need to be ready for Georgia because I'm looking forward to the last three games of the season where we run the table. Yeah, it, that would be about as beautiful as what we did in, what, 2017. And, yeah, that would be so great. Oh, man, I can just taste it right now. Um, but, well, yeah, I mean, this... We're, we're still ranked high enough where we're going to be in something special. Probably not yeah. the playoff. Yeah, Not unless some not. chaos happens. Yeah. But we're still going to be in something special. Or yeah. we still can be something special. Yeah, exactly. And if anything, we can change up potentially how who goes into the playoffs. Because if by chance, you know, this next week, and we'll talk about it in our next podcast, but there could be some chaos between Georgia and Bama if they go to the playoffs if some craziness happens. And uh, if we beat both of them, I mean, that, that could be another just like – Sorry, buddies. Uh, y'all, y'all aren't good enough to go in the playoffs. So, um, Ben, before we go, do you want to give them your social media so they can stay in contact with you? Yeah, you guys can find me anywhere on social media at B-E-N-K-1-N-G and at Captain Plainsman on game days. And you can find me on Twitter at A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?